0: It's Shake Them Ropes episode, let's call it 326. My name is Christopher Brino. With me, as always, is Jeff Hawkins. Jeff, how you doing?
1: Pretty good. The uh, secondary shows this week were pretty much hot fire.
0: Yeah. Oh, man. I was completely glued to my television screen throughout all of NXT US. That was basically TV made for Christopher Brino, and I'm pretty sure television made for Jeff Hawkins.
1: Uh, Especially the tag team stuff, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that's what I'm saying, that NXT US, that, that, was, that was all about it. Um, but first, before we get into that, we've got the cleanup section. We've got a little bit of news to go over here. I know that you mentioned Tommaso Ciampa. I kind of want to start with that as well. I'm hearing that Tommaso Ciampa is, quote-unquote, on borrowed time.
1: Supposedly had neck surgery today. And I guess at the NXT tapings, he will be doing whatever Fallout needs to be done about that. Could be out uh, anywhere from six to fourteen months. I believe was wow. the original estimate, uh, which puts, of course, everything that they've done over the past few tapings and for the build to take over in Brooklyn uh, out of the uh, out the window. If I'm WWE, I don't bring up Johnny Gargano now. I I I think. Yeah, gosh, because I I don't have faith in them anyways. I I, I think you keep
0: him down there and you put the belt on Johnny and yeah. you start telling some sort of news story with Johnny and weave in this injury angle as best you can. I, I don't think you can ever, of course, like tell the full Tommaso Johnny story that you were trying to tell initially here, but... Yeah, I, I don't see any reason to rush him up and I, I don't want him to end up like Oni Lorkin on two oh five live. Although I think two oh five live is a good spot for Oni Lorkin. I think so much investment and in time has been put into Johnny with a particular audience. You just should keep him there.
1: Yeah, probably. Give him give him the run, give him the redemption story. Uh you know, there there are other people on that roster that you could put the belt on. Um, you know, and, and they're all great candidates there's, there's there's a couple off the beaten path choices that that i'd like to see get some consideration too I'd, I'd love to see tyler breeze go down there and get a run with the title because they're not doing anything with him on the main roster uh i think fabian eichner fresh off this evolve run could be a single star and especially given his performance in in the tag team match this week there, I there's agree, something but there. But if you
0: break up at Bartell, you will be breaking my heart and kicking it into the ground and making it a bloody muddy mess. I, I don't want that to happen.
1: But look, you got plenty of guys on there that can, that have held major titles in other federations. You've had, I mean, Adam Cole can do it. You know, see, that's rock-
0: the answer. Adam Cole in the undisputed era, sitting on top of the roost. That's a story that they have not told yet, and I think True. now is a time to do it, and, and like they've sort of been begging for some sort of title storyline, so this actually opens up that link kind of perfectly for them.
1: Yeah, I, yeah I, I'd go with one of them as opposed to, say, even putting it on Velveteen Dream I think might be a mistake.
0: Yeah, or if you're gonna put it on a baby face, the first people I'd immediately have them dealing with is the Undisputed Era, and the Undisputed Eras in the chase. But I, I think sooner rather than later this year, the belt has to end up on a member of the Undisputed. I'm assuming it would be Adam Cole, but it would be more interesting if it was Kyle O'Reilly. Roddy. Yeah. Roddy. Or Roddy. Or Roddy. Kyle O'Reilly. Yeah.
1: Kyle O'Reilly. So also in the news it uh, it was announced by J.R. that his WWE contract has expired and he'll be looking into other options with supposedly A.E.W. being among them.
0: Will A.E.W. let him pitch his barbecue sauce?
1: I don't want him anywhere near A.E.W. And look, this is going to come off as a bur- burial of sorts. It probably is. Right now, J.R. is to wrestling fans probably what gordon Soley was to me in that latter-day wcw thing. oh yeah the guy like around was,
0: 1991 when he totally doesn't have it anymore
1: yeah yeah i look jr has been living off of this
0: there's so much goodwill from the attitude era that he has been able to ride on for the last six or seven years when the commentary chops haven't been there to stick with your memory.
1: Let, let, let me even go even further. Not just the goodwill, but the feeling that he was done dirty by the WWE. Don't get me wrong. He was slightly. Slightly. But he was a player in this game. Much like Game of Thrones, you either win or you die. JR was head of talent relations for this company jr to me which is a perilous position let me let me get out a few other things first jim ross and tony Schiavone together one of my favorite commentary teams ever jr and the king did nothing for me i jr right now is that six o'clock anchor in a major market who's getting a little long in the tooth but thinks he's a bedrock he's a cultural icon in this city that's to me what he was and I think he, you know what? He had no business being anywhere near New Japan on access. Kevin Kelly should have been the voice of New Japan that entire time. He proved in those big shows that he's lost quite a bit on his fastball. If I'm AEW, I'm going after a virtual unknown. I thought
0: the lack of homework was a real problem on those shows with Jim Ross. I I don't think that he showed up ready to rock on any of those New Japan shows and thought he could kind of get in there, BJR, look at who's wrestling now, and get by. And he didn't know moves. He didn't know what to look for. He didn't know how to say names. It was a real mess.
1: Yes, and you know what? Also, he has some physical limitations going. The energy's not there. Absolutely, sure, sure. The energy's not there anymore. It's it's just, I, I if I'm AEW, I want a person who's going to be associated with my brand, and I want someone nobody knows.
0: And I want someone who could theoretically be there for the next 10 to 15 years yes. and create a voice of continuity. Because if you're AEW... What you need to do is what TNA never did, and that is to have a 10 year plan not of what is every single angle of ours going to be, but what is the continuity of this product going to look like? Because at some point, you're going to have an archive, and what you want out of this archive is a sense of production continuity. WWE has a real nice sense of that. Um, you go into different eras, they have a little bit different flavor, but if you're watching stuff from 06, it looks like stuff from 08, which looks like stuff from 09, so on and so forth. With TNA, you're looking at different chunks of their catalog, some stuff's Lit one way, some stuff's lit another way, you got different commentators in, you got people coming out, it's NWA TNA, it's TNA, it's Impact, it's all these different things. What AEW needs is a voice... Um, They can't get Mauro Ranallo, but they need someone who can be that anchor that can be the through line so that 10 years from now when you're putting together, you know, who, who's your big star at, at TNA? Well, Cody Rhodes. When you're doing a Cody Rhodes package, you have that voice calling every major spot in Cody Rhodes' career throughout AEW.
1: Yeah, and if you hire Jim Ross... He can't do Jim that. Ross is,
0: he can't be that guy. He,
1: well, he's going to be a guy who... Not for the next 15 years. He, he's not going to leave until he decides he wants to leave and he will undermine anybody trying to take his position. Cause that's what he did with Michael Cole. Now I have a very off the beaten path guy that I think they should consider a friend of this show. I think Rob McCarron would make a heck of a voice and I'll tell you why. Cause he was a referee in the Indies. He knows wrestling and he has a great baritone. He has a nice straight laced look. Give, give a guy like that. You know, the, he's kind of the rich bikini of uh of unknown, untapped talent, but there are plenty of other lower level sports announcers, and that's what I think you want. I think you want a sports type guy as opposed to someone who's trying to pop a crowd or or get himself over. I think you want a more straight ahead Kind of old school approach in that way, and I, I just you know, and then I'd, you need
0: a light needler, someone who can needle the totally straight guy a little bit, but yeah. but you don't. A, a, to your point, you don't need Jerry Lawler doing puppies in nineteen ninety eight, right?
1: Right, but I, I, you know, what I think Excalibur is probably going to end up being the color guy on, on on these broadcasts, anyways. And he's you know he's funny enough, and he he's knowledgeable enough. I just, I just the the, the thought of Jr. being the voice of AEW and the people who are pushing for that who may or may not be journalists i, I just it it's i it, i i just think they need a fresh outlook as opposed to someone who may have goodwill i mean if you want to bring him in as a consultant great i have no problem with you hiring him to help train the guy but he still thinks he's the man and i just think that having that around is going to be more trouble than it's worth
0: yeah I completely concur if they want to have him on as a booking consultant to get some of his ideas on what they're doing with booking booking patterns that sort of thing I get that as an announcer I'm completely against that I think they need to be thinking more long term
1: now you, you brought this up I'm going to transition into 205 live were you at all shocked that Oni Lorcan won the match against Umberto Carrillo
0: I was a little bit it makes sense that essentially, what we're getting is kind of like the Drew Gulag storyline I, I was saying that I thought we were getting, I don't know, a couple few weeks ago now. Um, but this is a bit of a surprise. Uh, like, I didn't actually expect Oni Lorcan to win this and, and end up in the tournament. Um. So. So. Yeah. Uh. I guess this is going to be the vehicle for Gulak and Gallagher to kind of persuade Umberto Carrillo, Ah, your high flying antics are what got you in trouble here. But Only Larkin kind of won the match on high flying antics.
1: Yeah. I. I'm. I'm a. I'm, I'm becoming more of a fan of his than I was on the indie. No, he's I, like I a like light heavyweight Cesaro. Music. Yeah.
0: With better music.
1: I. I'm. I- I think 205 live is the perfect spot for him if they ever decide to break up him and Birch. Uh, though I love that I team. I say
0: bring them both up. I, I, it, can Birch pass as a, uh, 205er?
1: I would much rather he and Birch either stay on NXT or go to NXT UK as a team, as opposed to 205. No,
0: I, I agree with that. I, I mean, actually, they could yeah, also I hop around. Birch was in the, yeah, uh, I, I think they Birch could was even in hop around if they wanted I to. Um, so, you know, if Burch and Lorcan showed up every so often on 205 Live, it would give this card a little bit of freshness and give you guaranteed quality in whatever tag match you're staging. So I'm not adverse to them showing up. Every so often, it looks like Oni Lurkin's gonna be more of a regular feature, though.
1: Yeah, and and uh, and so you're kind of in my you're you're more or less in in my camp as well. In that it's a that in that this loss is more of a is more of a storytelling thing for Umberto Correa rather than a yeah, because the loss
0: was supposed to happen, in my opinion, a couple of weeks ago in that TJP match. So somewhere along the line in this story. Carrillo needs to lose so that Gulak and Gallagher can have a relevance to Carrillo in terms of tutelage and mentorship.
1: Mm, yeah, no, I, I like that idea. And then we had a pretty good match with uh, Cedric and, and Akira Tozawa. I'm
0: spirited is is what I would typify this as. This is this is a very yeah, good match.
1: Yeah, they're still kind of playing up the Cedric Alexander redemption angle, which I like. I it it was just it's one of those things where it, it's funny because you asked before we went to air if Tazawa was on his way out.
0: Yeah, the way that Tazawa did that big hug at the end and got that huge round of applause made me think that maybe Tazawa was finishing up here with WWE. But I guess it's just more fuel to good guy Cedric Alexander and his redemption saga. So so you may very well be right, and this belt may very well be ending up on Cedric Alexander here at WrestleMania. Although I still have my suspicions about Tony Nese. I've
1: I viewed the hug as more a kind of a callback to what the cruiserweight division was going to be, a lot of what the CWC was. A lot of what you know, a lot of that Ring of Honor influence within the cruiserweight division. I, I I didn't see it as anything grandiose like that. So,
0: and then we also had Colby Carino getting a little spot here on Two Hundred Five Live. He got obliterated by Mike Kanellison in no contest. I just thought it was worth mentioning because it was the son of Steve Carino getting his first little appearance on Two Hundred Five Live.
1: Oh, I think it I think it was very My my favorite thing is he he went on Twitter and goes, you know, technically I'm undefeated now on two oh five live.
0: I like that he showed up with the bleach blonde hair, a la his dad.
1: <laughs> I uh I flew on a plane once with Steve Carino and Steve Carino sat in front of me and it was it was the night after a, a show in Philly. I was not th- I was taking a connecting flight from Philly back to uh LA and uh he had obviously had a show the night before, and he <laughs> he's leaning against the plane and uh and he's bleeding on the side of the plane as he's trying to get some sleep i mean this is the most wrestling story ever right now <laughs> yeah no i liked and i liked niece's uh to your point I liked nice's little uh little vignette on two o five
0: yeah, yeah, we're we're still continuing to advance him and, you know, as we've said before, Tony Nese and Cedric Alexander have the most intrigue on this roster other than of course Buddy Murphy, but Buddy's already champion. So, the the spotlight is on the right places as this tournament progresses.
1: Yeah, we just need to fill out this roster a bit more cuz yeah. there is no intrigue on it cuz everybody's fighting the same people. we Everybody has week.
0: fought each other so many times, and more importantly, they don't ever actually kind of have stakes or through lines into right. matches or callbacks to other matches. So that would keep things fresh. Hopefully Lorkin and maybe Birch and maybe a couple of other people from NXT or wherever end up on this roster to spice things up. So from
1: there we go across the pond to the United Kingdom. Um There is nothing more awkward than when they try and put in the NXT UK universe. I just, I I go stop that. Just make it all part of the NXT universe.
0: Yeah, I'm completely on board with this. Shouldn't the NXT universe just extend across the planet and it doesn't really matter which chapter of NXT you're in?
1: And Chris, the greatest team in all my life, got a vignette and a hype video. That means they're going to win matches.
0: They're going to win matches. It's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to this. My
1: mid-card great team of the wild boar and the primate.
0: Yes. And I think they may be, at least when they go up against the Grizzled Young Veterans, packaged and presented as faces. And they will be very, very fun when they're feuding against the Grizzled Young Veterans. They'll be super spirited. I'm, I'm, all mi-
1: I, I'm all about I'm all about card tag teams with character. I am and I I love this team and I'm looking forward to them. I I, I just <laughs> it's <laughs> they're interesting. That's all I need. I only need interesting people. I don't need you to be great, smooth, you know, workers. No, but, but I But
0: man, I, interesting, especially after watching Joseph Connors and Liguero. that's all I'm asking for. It's all oh. I'm asking for.
1: Joseph Connors, look, if you want to hear a burial of Joseph Connors, go talk to Joe Lanza. Because Joe Lanza will bury the hell out of him. I, I find him dreadful and boring. He's just just
0: there for me. He, he is, he is just a guy and he's capable. And that's fine, but neither one of these two guys does anything for me. I think that Leggero, when he speaks with that mask on because of the way the mask is framed, yes. it has no like hole around his mouth. It makes him look like an idiot a little bit. Um, it doesn't quite sit on his face the right way. So just the whole thing looks a little bit silly.
1: Well, you can hear the noise. You can hear the noise and his voice reverberate off the mask.
0: Yep. And the horns are a little too large, and it's just... The whole thing's a little goofy for me. Um, I, I don't care for either one of these two guys at all, and I, I found their match to be okay. And, and that's really, I think, the most I'm ever going to feel about either one of these two.
1: Yeah, they tried to make Connors into something by turning on, you know, tag team partners.
0: and But then they oh, gave up gonna... on that angle, and it, it didn't mean anything. Because one of the people he turned on was James Drake. Mm-hmm. I just, I, <laughs> which actually makes him look even more stupid, right? You turn on a guy who's now a tag team champion.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, these, yeah, the, giving him a winning streak is just a waste of time, to to be honest for for me. Um,
0: I love I the l- torturing of Stoker and Howley by Eichner and Bartel. Like this is great.
1: I, yeah, I liked that. I, I thought that they gave. Uh, what are the names stokely and bar uh, stokely stoker and, and howley yeah stoker and howley i almost call them stokely hathaway stoker and howley i think they gave them one too many hope spots
0: there was the really. I just at- thought they were kind of like ragdolls for most of the match. It went on a little too long. I'm definitely with you on this, but I I thought that like this was just kind of a demolition derby for most of the match. Minus that one little spot where one of them fired up and hit both the guys, but even then he was only fired up for like I don't know ten seconds before he was cut back down.
1: Yes, but but in my in my arsenal I do like heels who lift guys up before the three count to to instill more pain. I think that's a. That's a very good little heel move to do. But, yeah, no, they were great here.
0: Yeah, no, th- this was very solid. Um, Nina Samuels and Charlie Morgan, this kind of went by the numbers for me. D- did you have anything to add on the Nina Samuels stuff?
1: No, I. I, I she does. I, she's, to me, going to be the placeholder before they get to a Ginny feud because they've done yeah, that so right. many times.
0: Right, no, I I think she is going to have a match with Tony Storm sometime soon. Here, Tony's going to beat Nina Samuels, um, after a little bit of resistance, and then she's going to have her Ginny feud. Uh, yeah, which because is right kind of now, the keys we got in the promo too.
1: Yeah, because right now their their options are Rhea Ripley or Ginny. Rhea Ripley or Ginny. So you need you need someone else in there, and that's that's what Nina Samuels is going to do.
0: Um, and then we had our Falls Count Anywhere match with. Jordan Devlin and Travis Banks, I think you're a little higher on this than I am. I'll I'll give my thoughts on it real quickly. I loved the way this match opened up. I just thought that once Travis Banks went for the high cross body from, I don't know, the elevated platform in the audience, let's call it. After that, it was a little bit downhill, and going back to the ring felt a little anticlimactic. I would have started the match in the ring a little bit, then spilled it to the outside.
1: Yeah, and and that's the problem with Falls Count Anywhere matches is is that uh is that there's a heart there there are ways to get there naturally where you're going through the audience and but they never really in the WWE style it doesn't get there. I'm you know what, I'm not as high as you think I am on it, but I've Jordan Devlin has built a lot of goodwill with me over the past few weeks especially for that promo with David Starr in anticipation of that match, over in I think it was WXW, I want to say, don't kill me if I'm wrong on that. Guys. Devlin's just uh,
0: got a thing about him. He 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 has it. He's intense.
1: Tra- Travis Banks is a guy I root for, but I Travis Banks to me was always more interesting in a tag team. Like when he was with the South Pacific Power Trip, I loved that group, but they tried to make him a champion and evolve but they tried to make him like an undersized Daniel Bryan style heel champion. It didn't quite work every time because he'd always, I I, underdog heel champions. There's a, there's a disconnect in the audience with that, but I mean, I thought he was good here. I didn't think it was great. And he took the loss here, which surprised me because I thought he'd, I I thought after all the times he got jumped by Jordan Devlin, he was finally going to get a win over him. But this has I all guess. been a
0: rebuild for Jordan Devlin ever since taking that loss to Pete Dunne several weeks ago. Now,
1: yeah, yeah, and and I, I, think, and I think I'm fine with also. that.
0: I'm actually fine with that.
1: Yeah, and also the loss to uh, Finn at the Takeover was part of that story too. So I guess you know you give him the high profile losses and then you build them up against other people. I'm 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 good with that. I think I think Devlin's a good guy for them to keep around, and he's a he's. He's a flashy heel, which is always a good thing. When you have a charismatic kind of cocksure heel around, you can always heat him up at any time to to play him up against the more serious baby face like a Pete Dunn.
0: And at a certain point, you may want a change of pace champion. I mean, we're only assuming here that Walter will at some point end up as NXT UK champion. I'm not sure when, but I feel like that's coming up. After that, you might want a smaller, faster, flashier heel champion at some point down the road, and Devlin very much fits that mold.
1: I don't think he's ever going to be champion. I think he's that guy that's going to be like the second heel, though. He can be that secondary heel.
0: Yes, he has yeah. a little
1: Tully. He has a little Tully Blanchard, Roddy Strong in him in terms of the cocksureness, where he's the guy with the chip on his shoulder, but he's not the main heel.
0: That's true. He could also end up in a faction too. Like it's not impossible that he ends up in Gallus at some point.
1: Oh god no, don't do I should toy. hope
0: not. Yeah, I should hope not, but I I mean they are sort of based <laughs> on that British Isles vibe, right?
1: Yeah, well <laughs> Well he's Irish, so we don't wanna there, there may there might be some territorial wars within within Gallus over that.
0: Well, isn't uh, half of Gallus Irish? Like aren't the coffees Irish? Are
1: uh, oh man God <laughs> We're gonna tick off our UK listeners if I get this wrong, so I'm just not going to go in there, and I'll have them correct me.
0: Okay, that's fine. I I, I will be. <laughs> I will suffer the slings and arrows of of spurious online criticism. Let's move over to NXT US, where we Chris. Had, I'm gonna
1: let you walk. Chris, I'm gonna let you walk that plank alone, sir. <laughs> uh,
0: thanks, Jeff. Always looking out for Woo-hoo. old Chris, old Novi. They're screwing your boy. So moving <laughs> over to NXT US, uh, this is the first week of the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. This is as close to wrestling heaven as G1 is for me. Uh, I get really excited for these type of shows, and uh, this opening match here of Alistair Black and Ricochet versus Fabian Eichner and Marcel Bartel was Excellent. Um, the initial near fall spot that Bartel and Eichner had, where Bartel does a suicide dive to the outside as Eichner is doing a corner to corner springboard moonsault, was outstanding. I thought both teams showed a ton of fire. I loved at the end of the match. When Eichner is firing up on Alistair Black and sort of does this thing, this might not mean anything to you, but if you've ever played Halo, um, when you start kind of like nearly killing an elite in Halo, they kind of go into this like berserker mode thing um, right before they die. And that's exactly what Eichner kind of did. He, you know, it's like, ah, and then he got hit in the face with the black mass and went down like a rock. And uh, this match just had me from beginning to end.
1: I really liked... I would have really liked this match a lot more if I hadn't seen the Bar- Bartell-Eichner squash right before it on, on NXT UK. And see, I watched watch this in opposite
0: orders. See, I watched this in opposite orders. So this is the first thing I saw this week.
1: It was a very smooth match. It was uh very exciting match. It was basically an indie match. I loved the ending of this. I loved the fact that Bartell was trying to fire up for one last shot and just gets hit out of nowhere with with black mass i thought that was very good as opposed no, to no it was eichner
0: who gets hit with uh i mean black eichner mass. my fault and Bartel yeah. gets wiped out on the outside eichner sees that and that's what sends him into berserker mode
1: but but the snap kick out of nowhere as opposed to really setting it up i i liked that i li- i like having natural endings like that even if it is on a finisher rather than
0: well, this keeps uh, uh, Eichner for- and Bartel looking strong because, uh, like Black, just barely got that, and they just barely got out of yeah. there with the win. Is the vibe that you get off of that?
1: Yeah, and and I, I like that ending a little bit more than say like the DIY, uh, the name of their finisher, whatever it is. But it, you know, it requires a guy to be on their knees for a while while they do the gestures, and then they go and do it. I I I just think the snap kick one two three really like that a lot.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, After that, we get a package of Dominic Dijakovic and, or Dijakovic, and Keith Lee going to a double countout, and we go to the training center where Dijakovic is training our boy from a couple of weeks ago. What was his
1: name? Oh, uh, Buggenhagen.
0: Yeah, Bugenhagen. Bugenhagen's getting some pointers from Keith Lee and Danny Birch, and Dijakovic comes in and starts, like, kind of... Forcing his way to the ring, he's like, "We can have this match right now. We can have this match right now." And and then we get told after that that a rematch is going to be booked from two weeks from now, which I like. You know, hey, I like look something to look forward to, and I like that NXT does this because, for example, main roster WWE television very rarely gives us something two weeks out.
1: Yeah, it was fine. It's
0: (laughs) not like you know, hose me or anything like that. But I I thought that this was effective.
1: It's NXT high school, you know. I'll, I'll see you. I'll see you by the lockers at lunch. today. You know that kind of thing. And they do that okay. Sometimes this one felt a little bit. It's like, well, if they're in the training center every day, they could probably do this every day. Then,
0: <laughs> then we go to Oni Lorkin and Danny Birch versus the Forgotten Sons. Forgotten no more, Jeff. Um, this time represented by Wesley Blake and Steve Cutler. Jackson Riker hangs out on the outside. I was not as hot on this match as I was on our opener, but that's because the Forgotten Sons still don't do a lot for me. I will say this in their defense. This was one of the stronger Forgotten Sons showings. It might be their best match to date. Um, That said, their best match is still not something I get super excited about.
1: Uh, I would agree that this is one of the better Forgotten Sons outings that we've had. I th- I thought... There was a lot smart about this match, but the thing that made it smart also took me a bit out of the ending, and, back and I'll tell stuff? you what it was. Yeah, um, I think not enough is done in tag team wrestling about Injured how partner. worn about yeah about how worn down a partner is, and the quick tag things and affecting it. I thought that part was very smart. The problem I had was Lorkin's working his back, getting you know selling his back. For most of the second half of that match, and then he starts running full speed, and they tried to play it off as adrenaline. And then all of a sudden, his back hurts again. I'm just like, it, it's my problem with indie wrestling in that the in tag these sequencing matches.
0: was kind of weird there too. Like they got it around to make some sense, but it felt very weird when Birch went to tag Lorkin.
1: The guy should not be running full speed after getting worn down. That that's my always been my issue with modern indie style, I, but I liked, I liked that he was kind of laying on the, uh, when he was laying on the apron and, 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 um, Birch looks at him and realizes I got to do this by myself for a while while he rests up. I think that part, very, very smart. It's just, it's just that last kind of sequence that led to, led to the pin. I kind of went, eh, okay. That, that's, that's a little too indie riffic for me, but, but overall, um, yeah, the, the Forgotten Sons are are going to be what they are. They they need to be more of a kick punch brawling team,
0: and you need to have Riker more involved. The, their matches need to be more on the outside, utilizing the scenery and the furniture, um, in legal ways but barely legal ways. They need to be more ruthless, and you know
1: what they need to be. They need to be more of what their characters are supposedly. You know, they right. need to wrestle like bikers.
0: Right. Right dirty yeah. bikers scuzzy uh-huh. bikers who are not here to fight fair they're here to take names and make a statement um yeah i don't want to say is to leave your opponents kind of like a, a mess at the end of the match
1: i don't want to see smooth move and great choreography from dirty bikers yeah I just lot, all the
0: synchronized moves and stuff yeah, yeah. No. i don't want to see that no um next we get the Street Profits, Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford versus Mustache Mountain, Tyler Bate and Trent Seven. This was a good match. I am still a little confused what we're doing with the Street Profits. Not as confused as they are about which corner they're supposed to be in during the match.
1: <laughs> you picked up on that too, huh? Oh, wearing the, yeah. the legal tag from the wrong corner. I I I saw that I went, "Huh."
0: Okay. So we're on other sides now.
1: Okay. uh, Well, they didn't even bring it up on commentary, which shocked me quite a bit. I'll tell you what this was, and I I think a lot of this had to do with the fact that they had to put two babyface teams together and then two heel teams together in the Undisputed Era in DIY because of their
0: plans. Although DIY, you can kind of make them function as a fan favorite because the brand DIY does that, which is why they did that entrance, I think.
1: Oddly enough... I was watching this and I was thinking the entire time. I really liked the Street Profits style in this because all they were doing was punching and kicking. Yeah. And they were trying to wear, I mean, they were, they were playing the heels here quite a bit to Mustache Mountain, but they weren't doing a whole lot of, you know, uh, I mean, they, they had the dives at the end. And, and that was fine, but they, they earned them by building them up by just basic punches and kicks. And I especially like that sequence with Seven and, and Montez Ford, where Montez is just kicking the crap out, out of Trent Seven. I really liked that a lot because that plays to kind of be really good if they
0: ever turn them heel. I, I think that the Street Profits have a ton of mileage as heel team.
1: Yeah, and and it's kind of a disconnect in how they present them because they present them as all full, all sizzle. Yeah, so. yeah,
0: no, but especially in order, to, I think, have the best match possible with the War Raiders. I think they need to be heels, and I think they need to be ruthless. And I, I, I the Montez Ford. In the balaclava, it's on this very, very razor-thin edge. But I kind of like the whole, I'm here to steal the show. Or I'm here to, not steal the show, I'm here to steal a win, was actually the way it was presented on commentary. And that's very different. I'm into stealing the win.
1: Yeah, and Mustache Mountain's great. I mean, I, I, it oh, looked yeah. to me well, also. I, I mean,
0: what what can be said about those two? I, I think Trent Seven, as you said before, is a fantastic babyface in peril, peril. And Tyler Bate, Tyler Bate's awesome. He's really, really good.
1: It looked to me like they were trying to keep the match simple though for the Street Profits. And, and, uh, because they had never worked together before. And so they're just kind of keeping it basic for them in terms of what they were getting in terms of offense. There weren't a lot of, there weren't a lot of convoluted set pieces here. There were just enough double team moves. To get by, but no, I, I enjoyed this quite a bit. But I agree with you. I don't know what they're doing with the street profits. I thought that they were going to put the rocket to them at the beginning of the year and really make them into contenders, and then finally put them on a takeover and have them have them really try and do something special because I thought that was the whole point of the evolve excursion.
0: Yeah, and uh, yeah, we're still very much in a holding pattern. M- maybe now um, NXT's hand will be forced a little bit, and they'll have to do something with them. We'll, we'll see. The Undisputed Era, represented by Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly, Red Dragon, for those of you old-timers, versus DIY, Tommaso Ciampa, and Johnny Gargano, and this match begins with Tommaso and Johnny coming out, and as Tommaso comes out after Johnny does, he comes out to his theme song that people don't like, and then he kind of stops, and he points up to the screen, and then we start playing the DIY theme song. And the crowd, of course, goes crazy. And now we've effectively baby-faced this team of Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano. Although, of course, the audience is waiting for some sort of shoe to drop. And that kind of plays into the structure of this match where Johnny Gargano is in peril, which feeds into the audience's skepticism that Tommaso Ciampa is really in it to be a good teammate. But then Ciampa gets tagged in and Ciampa is great and really intense, although still very much wrestling as a heel. He's not like a playing for applause or anything like that, and he's doing a lot of still very kind of like stiff moves done in a very heel style. Um, I thought that Bobby, o- Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly were outstanding here on the tail end of this match. All of the tandem stuff that they do always looks great, and they, they were really good there. Fish looked a little slow to begin the match, though, to me.
1: I watched this in an entirely different state of mind than you did. I think I watched this and I was paying more attention to the way the commentary was talking about the undisputed era and the interactions between fish and O'Reilly. And I thought they were dropping hints that Bobby fish may be on his way out of the undisputed era because they were talking about how this was the team that quote unquote won won the Dusty Classic last year, and it wasn't Fish and O'Reilly. That was Cole and O'Reilly with the assist from Roderick Strong. And then they had those moments where, you know, Bobby Fish was in the wrong place a couple times, where Kyle O'Reilly was kind of telling him, Bobby, get in here to, to help a bit. It felt a little bit like they were dropping hints here. Now, I don't know if they are, but if they were... They're gonna play the long game here and then point back to these types of things as a reason. Um, that said, in the ending stretch of this match, uh, when they said, you know, Dusty's probably looking down and smiling, and my, my snark came in and goes, Dusty's probably looking down and going, "Kyle, that those bounces off the ropes were ridiculous looking, but I was entertained by him." Um <laughs> when he when he does the uh bounce back through the ropes and then back in with the lariat and then under the uh between the second and the and the bottom rope and back, I just I howled because comedic Kyle O'Reilly is so great. But you didn't get a lot of that on the indies other than sleazy, sleazy Kyle in PWG. And now he's just this this, this goofball in some ways while also being an ass kicker. And I love him to death.
0: Yeah, no, I I love Kyle O'Reilly. I I can't get enough of this guy. And this would be, he's also a dark horse contender to me to be champion. I don't, I think the odds of that are pretty low, but like if you told me Kyle O'Reilly was the NXT champion, that wouldn't strike me as far-fetched and I know I'd be getting good matches.
1: Nobody, nobody gets their butts kicked like Kyle O'Reilly, and nobody sells quite like Kyle O'Reilly can. I, I just he, he always. And when the, the he's punch, intense,
0: he's really intense. He does a really good job, like selling that intensity.
1: And you know what that does is that helps the comedy because, like, you remember that time? Uh, it was the triple threat with the AOP, and uh, I think DIY, where where he gets like. He's all intense and he gets back suplexed and he gets up intense, no selling it, and then just falls out of the ring all of a sudden. That, that's what makes his his punch drunk comedy so good is the intensity he does to build up the credibility beforehand.
0: Yeah. No, it's it's the range. It's the loud and the soft. it's It's having those different dynamics to play off of so that the loud parts seem louder and the soft parts seem softer.
1: So we've wrapped up those shows. Is there any? Oh, uh, we and we also had the uh, f- the Velveteen Dream uh, getting challenged Matt by Matt Riddle. That's uh, that's interesting.
0: It's quick. I, 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 I did not expect this quick of a turnaround, um, and, and it makes me wonder if maybe Velveteen Dream is going to be a transitional champion and might lose this belt relatively quickly and get called up to the main roster.
1: I'm I'm starting to think he's he's getting in on the uh, on the post WrestleMania call up.
0: Training. Yeah, I think so, too. One of these two competitors will be moving on.
1: Yeah, especially since Lars Sullivan has been nowhere to be seen. Uh, any changes to fast lane predictions that you want to make?
0: Not that I can think of.
1: I want to backtrack on my uh, ricochet possibly getting the black mass kick to cause a loss of some way.
0: I don't think that's uh, happening.
1: It's not happening... Probably because, <laughs> probably because I think I think uh, I think the Ricochet Alister Black team is going to have a bit of a run here.
0: So. Uh, so now you're on you're on board with me. Yeah, I I, I think that's yeah. what's happening. I think we're going to run with this team for a minute. They're hot. They, they, they're they've got good easy match booking patterns with good easy finishes to go to. You either go for the flashy six thirty centon or you have the sudden out of nowhere black mass. Gives you a lot of different outs. They're a good team.
1: Wanna thank those of you who have subscribed to the Patreon, patreon.com slash shake them ropes.
0: And all of the positive feedback we've gotten for the Andy Kaufman episode. That we, we, we do we do hard work going into like those type of episodes and to get positive feedback on that is really awesome. And so I just want to say thank you.
1: I've received some good feedback on the, uh, Great American Bash 1985 episode. Uh, people seem to enjoy our, our live watch of that. So, uh, for as little as a buck a month, you can go over and get uh, all five of our premium episodes over there. Uh, you can follow me at Crap Game Thirteen. You can follow Chris at Chris Novembrino. You can follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. Chris, hit them up with the uh, your other projects.
0: My other show is called Don't Worry About the Government. You can subscribe to it on iTunes and Stitcher, and I think Spotify. I need to double check that, but I, I always say iTunes and Stitcher. I think you can also do it on Spotify. Search for Don't Worry About the Government. Man, my other other show is called The All in the Family Podcast. We dropped an episode of that this week, which you can check out at allinthefamilypodcast.com or by subscribing on iTunes. Tunes Stitcher. Thanks.
1: We'll be back on Tuesday uh, reviewing Fastlane and the Raw and SmackDown fall- fallout afterwards.
0: So much wrestling. We'll see you then. So much wrestling. Interviews, analysis, music, and and me,
1: Matt Kuhn, on Total Engagement. Go to any podcast platform to listen today.